Brothers and sisters, how are you all today? Great. Uh, good. Uh, maybe can you can you pass me the your recording? Ah. Yeah. 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 And here he sings. One here, one over here. Okay, so uh, welcome back to the class. Oh, there wasn't a break. So, but soon we'll have a break for the Chinese New Year. Uh, Is there anyone who is here with us uh, the first time? Okay, couple of you. Welcome, welcome. So uh, this is in Chinese, Ru Pusa Singer. But the class will be conducted in English. What we have been doing is, um, let me see how I can do it. Because, uh, well, what we have been doing is we have been following this set of texts with the Chinese translation. And uh, is your eyes okay? Ah, okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, uh, what I will usually do is I will read through the Chinese text and then when S3 refer to the English text as well, and then I'll explain the, the commentary. Yeah. This is a commentary by Shantideva and it lists out uh, the various verses. Yeah, outlining the kind of uh, practices that uh, a bodhisattva would embark on, yeah, uh, in a as a way of life, yeah, as a way of life. So we have covered chapter one and part of chapter two. Okay, uh, we we'll, for those who who just join us, 
uh, we'll try to give you the link for the PDF file and there will be an update then um, some of the students have taken the liberty to print out yeah so yeah so maybe later uh, how, how many of you three four of you yeah so maybe we can arrange for you all to actually um, get the printout as well uh. Uh-huh. Supposed to see anything on the screen. Supposed to. There's nothing on the screen. Yeah, I, yeah. So that, that's why I'm uh, talking. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to. Uh, let me see. Uh, reflection. You know. Yeah, so you see, there are things that we are so used to in uh, when you use Windows, where you can easily just do a mirror, extended and stuff, right? But somehow, uh, okay, let me see. There should be such a thing. Hang on. Give me a second, okay? No, nope. it's it's uh, nope. yeah. For some reason, huh? Hang on, So I'm trying to get the the display such that it would. Um, allow me to uh, what do you call that um, instead of doing extended it should allow me to uh, let me see uh, no it's not a touch screen it's a old netbook uh, Huh? Yeah, it's connected to the projector, so you can actually see something here. But if I were to put this page here, then I cannot see it. <laughs> so oh, I'm trying to find the setting. Well, every laptop is different, but. Um, no, it's not Windows, it's oh. Ubuntu. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so time to practice the Kanti Paramita, <laughs> Paramita of Patience. <laughs> okay, give me a second, okay? Can you just give me three minutes? If we don't figure out this within three minutes, then what we'll do is uh, we will, we will, I'll just restart and switch over to Windows. Okay? Okay, let's see. Let me just close this and plug, unplug this again. And hopefully it gives me I immediately detect. But the problem is how do I get that to switch over? 
Give me a minute, ah. Uh. This usually don't happen. Uh, how do I switch to that? Oh. Ah yes, so I've also set up a podcast for the for this class. So for those who uh, who didn't join the earlier classes, you can actually go to uh, if you use iPhone, you can just run the podcast app and search for uh, RPSXL. RPSXL. <coughs> RPSXL, Ru Pusa Singlet. Yeah. Uh, if you use Android, you can just download Podbean. Yeah, if you download Podbean, you should be able to find. Ah, okay. That seems to work better. Huh. Ah, that computer is there, right? Can I copy something over? Because Windows cannot read the cannot read the what call it? Yes. Do you have a thumb drive? Supposed to be a thumb drive here. Yes, there's a thumb drive here.
Do you all see the screen now? Yeah. Okay. Can you all find it on the phone? The, the what do you call that? Um, yep. Are you all able to find the podcast? Or those? Yeah. For those who are using um, Android phone, um, how many times do they have to ask me? Should I just quit? a day of negative example. <laughs> Have you ever seen someone open a Word document with WordPad? Let's see how good WordPad is. <laughs> okay, a moment of truth. Yes, it actually works. Very good. chapter 2 and uh, let me see verse number 30 okay where did we stop last week? 41, right? Okay. Ah, we have gone through 41, huh? Mm. Okay, so, do you, do, do you all have the text? Everybody have, anybody do not have the text? Yeah, if you cannot find the text, you can refer to the screen. Uh, for those who just joined us, we covered the first chapter. The first chapter in various ways, go through uh, the benefits of bodhicitta, the merits of bodhicitta, yeah? why bodhicitta is so crucial and important. Yeah? Uh, what is bodhicitta? Uh, the aspiration to strive towards uh, Buddhahood, uh, in a nutshell, yeah? uh, to strive for enlightenment, uh, in order to liberate sentient beings, yeah. So, in a in the first ten lessons uh, last year, we went through the first chapter and uh, we also discussed about how this 
how is this relevant to us? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How is this relevant to us? In our day-to-day life, um, would it not be too far-fetched to think of, oh, the Bodhisattva ideals? Yeah? So in various classes, um, we discuss this, uh, and we touch on how, while uh, while we may not uh, be exactly at the stage of the uh, enlightened bodhisattva phase, yeah, but even in our day-to-day life, uh, we have to agree that we want to care for people around us, yeah. We do want to uh, be of help to those around us, uh, but being unenlightened. Sometimes, sometimes as much as we want to be of help to others, we may be bogged down by our own emotions, bogged down by the challenges we are facing in life. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this this set of teachings, including the whole uh, Bodhisattva path and teachings, uh, is applicable to us in that sense. Yeah. That. Even if we are not about to, you know, go out and liberate the whole world, um, at the very least, we can apply that same principle to our daily life, as far as those around us is concerned. Yeah, as far as those who are around us is concerned. Yeah. So, um, again, a summary of the whole uh, ten chapters. It's actually covering the six paramitas. Yeah? And what are the six paramitas? Uh, starting with the perfection of giving, and then uh, precepts, patience, yeah, or forbearance, and then energy, concentration, and ultimately wisdom. Yeah? Uh, in the earlier chapter and this chapter, we have gone through uh, the various practices of doing offering. Uh, offering is not just about um, buying oranges and yeah, uh, but the practice of giving, yeah? material giving, immaterial giving, giving of dharma being foremost, and then down to material giving, and even giving of fearlessness. Yeah, how by practicing the dharma, by practicing the precepts, observing the precepts, then we actually directly uh, give those around us fearlessness. Uh, it, many times, when we look at Buddhism, uh, it may appear like something distant. Yeah? It may appear something uh, to be something that is uh, from a long time ago. Uh, well, it's, it is from a, since a long, long time ago, but not from a galaxy far, far away. It is actually applicable to our life. Yeah. Um, so as we go through a text, then we went through uh, doing repentance and confession. Yeah. And we went through how uh, the practice of repentance and confession is uh, is different in Buddhism. Uh, that the mindset is not so much to ask Buddha to just do a waver of our our wrongdoings 
Yeah? yeah, it's not that, that you buy three oranges and five apples and go to the Buddha and then okay, next time don't be so naughty, huh? <laughs> and just do a write off. No, yeah, we discuss and share about how uh, it is. It is first of all the recognition of what is right and wrong, yeah, and to see clearly that. Uh, what we have done at some point in time is wrong and should be corrected. Then to put forth the strong determination to correct ourselves. Yeah. It is in this way that we purify ourselves. Yeah. It is in this way that um, in future, when we encounter circumstances uh, that would otherwise have uh, bring forth again those harmful actions, that we are able to not do it again. Yeah? Uh, and during that few classes that I mentioned about the Yugachara school, yeah? uh, the, the analogy of planting of the seeds yeah? in our mind stream, of how uh, within our life, the tendency to do this or do that, yeah? mental habituation, our mental habits, habitual tendencies. Yeah. So when we, when we, uh, in Buddhism, when we do repentance and confession, it is to plant new seeds. It is through our repentance that we plant new seeds. In a way, like I like to use the the analogy or metaphor of post-it notes. Yeah, uh, we all use post-it notes before. Yeah, we use it for all kinds of Things to remind us uh, to to uh, to attend a meeting. We put a post-it note on our book to to know where we stop, uh, when to start, and we use post-it note everywhere. In a way, when we do the confession repentance, it is like putting a post-it note in our mind, yeah, such that um, such that. When we encounter circumstances, yeah, that uh, that would have triggered triggered that mental habituation, uh, in this case, it would trigger the post-it note we left there. Now, this is uh, this is only as effective as uh, the strength of the post-it note we put there. Yeah, uh, if you just uh, you didn't press properly, huh? Then before you know it, the post-it note is gone. Uh, similarly, uh, when we do the repentance and confession, when we do the mental determination in our mind, uh, how strong is, is it? Yeah, compared to the amount of mental effort we put in when we were doing those deeds. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's not so much a fair or not fair thing. Yeah, but it's a matter of okay. Which propensity is higher? Yeah. Which propensity is higher? But who determines this? We determine it ourselves. We determine it by uh, the kind of thoughts we entertain. Yeah. We determine it by the kind of, um, you know, in Chinese we call Pai Yeah. Uh, daytime we, will, we are waiting for the bus, we are t- waiting for the traffic light, we are waiting for the boss to come. Uh, then we think about this, think about that. Yeah, although we are not acting on it yet, but as we think, 
it nourishes those seeds. Yeah, those if we have wholesome thoughts, then it nourishes the wholesome seeds. If we have evil and wholesome thoughts, then the evil and wholesome seeds get nourished. Yeah. Now, last year, um, I saw I saw this uh, description uh, that is very similar to the the this Buddhist teaching yeah, about seeds, yeah, nourishing the seeds, and it, it you'll be surprised where it come from. Yeah, it actually it is actually from uh, native Indian, not 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 like. Buddha Indian, you know, American Indian, yeah, the native Indian, they have this um, this uh, teaching that they teach their kids, and they tell the kids there are two wolves in your heart, one good wolf and one bad wolf, yeah, uh, the one that you keep feeding will become stronger, and then you will eat up the other wolf. Hey, this is so interesting, you know. The Buddha never went go to America before, yeah. yeah but they they have this similar uh, description, yeah, uh, about how our propensity, yeah, the one that we you keep nourishing will become stronger and stronger, yeah. Uh, so in from this we can also understand that in Buddhism we don't say that someone is inherently good or bad yeah we don't say that but we say that depending on how you live your life then you sow those seeds yeah of goodness or evil and with those seeds then it determines how your future will be yeah so um, this is the first first uh, lesson of the year uh, Last year, uh, feels when I say last year, it feels like it's so long ago. Huh? Just last week, actually, <laughs> and less than a week because last week was last previously was on Friday. Yeah. So, um, when it's New Year, as I mentioned, we tend to set New Year resolution. Yeah. But if we look at our life carefully, every single day is a new day of your the rest of the life. Yeah? Every single day is a start of the rest of your life. You don't have to wait for New Year, 1st of January to change. You know? In fact, every single moment is a chance for us to change. A chance for us to change. In Buddhism, we tend to Look at uh, impermanence, yeah, as a source of our suffering, isn't it? Yeah, but actually the Buddha didn't say that impermanence is a source of our suffering. He says that that is the way things are. It is because we don't want to accept that things are subject to change, and we cling on to things and hope and want it and wish it to 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 stay when we want it to stay, and we hope that it will change at our pace that we suffer impermanence by itself don't bring suffering you know uh, it's because we cannot accept it we don't want it we don't want it to change when it is meant to change 
Uh, so change itself is important in Buddhism. Because if you don't change, you cannot become enlightened. Huh? <laughs> and to recognize that, yes, subject to change are the aggregates. So that therein lies a chance for us to improve ourselves. Yeah? Lies the chance for us to improve ourselves. And when can we change? We can only change now. We cannot change next year because next year is next year. We cannot change yesterday yeah, because yesterday is really gone. The only thing, only time you can change is now. So, um, towards the end of the 10th lesson, we cover a lot on impermanence. Yeah? Uh, and there were verses regarding death. Uh, I don't know how you all feel towards it. Uh, how do you all feel towards it? Do you all fear. feel... Huh? Fear. Sorry? Fear. You feel fear. Uh, how many of you feel fear towards death? Uh, okay. The rest? Pass more. Let's see. Death. How about the rest? So there's only a handful of you who are fearful of death. How about the rest? How many of you are not fearful of death? Not fearful, huh? oh, steady, huh? <laughs> Remember these three faces. Anytime there's war, send them. <laughs> huh? How can we be fearful of something we have not even experienced? How can we be fearful of something we have not experienced? Okay, let me just give you one simple example. Uh, are you afraid of jumping off a ten-story building? You have not experienced it yet in this life, but I'm pretty sure you can still be fearful. <laughs> if you're not, let's just go for two, three story up. <laughs> we go upstairs the story. <laughs> I, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, because the initial thought would be, if you have not experienced it, why would you be fearful of it? Because you don't even know how is it like. Yeah, but then lies the problem, you know. Many times, our fear is not fear of what we know. It's fear of what we don't know. Once you know, you find that your fear suddenly reduces. Oftentimes, the fear, the anticipation, the anxiety of what's to come is worse than what is to come. Oftentimes. Uh, this is a very strange uh, psychological thing. Uh, what was the thing I wanted to give as an example? Can you all think of an, an example besides death? Where the fear of it itself actually creates more problem? Cockroach. Cockroach? <laughs> 
Yeah. For those of us who are afraid of cockroach anyway. Yeah. For those of us who are not afraid of cockroach, then cockroaches are fearful of you. Huh? <laughs> what else? Waiting for your medical results. Waiting for your medical results, yes. Mm. Yes. When you go for the medical review, huh? yeah, the very anticipation itself. Yeah. Because once the test has been done, uh, the the results are already there. Yeah. But before we know it, there's all these uh, yeah, possibilities, you know. Yeah. It is actually like movies. Not to trivialize um, medical conditions, but it's really like movies. You know, in the past, ghost movies, yeah, you don't really see the ghost. You just hear the sound. And then you hear the wind. You know? And then you see a shadow. Throughout the whole show, you don't really see the ghost. Huh? Yeah, that's the scariest ghost movie. Then Americans spoil everything. Yeah? Americans spoil everything. Yeah, they show you how the ghosts look like, starting with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> no, 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 no. But but seriously, seriously. Uh, I, I mean, this sounds funny, but I'm serious. You know, in in, in ghost movies, you can think about it. In recent years, because of special effects, uh, computer graphics. They are able to create a lot of visual that is quite amazing. But once you see it, yeah, it, it, it becomes defined. It becomes finite. When it's not defined, our brain, our mind, wow, can it is limitless, you know? Then our fear fits on that. Yeah, and it, it just becomes so overwhelming. Yeah. But once you see it, okay, that's it. If it has one hit, it has one hit. It has two hit, it has two hit. You know how many hit can you squeeze in the screen anyway? You know, yeah. It has like a broken jaw. Okay, it has a broken jaw. That's it. Yeah, two broken jaw. Quite scary and two broken, three broken jaw. <laughs> you know how many broken jaw do you want to fit into a screen? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Once you see it, that's it. So one of the things that I sometimes um, get students to do is to actually write down what you are anticipating or fearful of. Yeah. And once you write it write down, uh, I haven't I haven't talked to anyone who has limitless amount of things. But before they write down, they would often say that oh, so, wow. you know when I say okay tell me your first problem. No, no, Sifu, a lot. La. Sifu, a lot. La. Don't waste your time. Then, never mind, it's okay, I have a, a lot of time. Come, you know? Then, very unwillingly, or sometimes, maybe sometimes it's, it's painful to go into details. Yeah? But I will force people, <laughs> this monk. Huh? So I'll write down number one, okay. Then, okay, next. Then, when they go to number two, oftentimes, 
they may repeat or they may share with me a slightly different version of number one. Yeah? But it's actually still number one. And then I'll highlight, uh, but that's still number one. Okay. Then they will think, they think, ah. Finally, they think of a unique number two. Then I write down. Once there's two, oftentimes they start going into circles. No, 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 you have really said that in number one. And, oh, how about this? Oh, this is actually a result of one and two. So doesn't count really as a three. So, so far, I have uh, oftentimes at most come to three things. Yeah. I haven't really encountered someone with more than, you know, like, wow, 10 things in their life that's overwhelming, wow, 200 things. <laughs> now, when you think about it, three things, let's say five, uh, let's just push it up, uh, five. If you think about it, eh, when you see here that it's five, it's okay. Uh, it, oh, five seems to be quite okay. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, when most people think about their problems, nobody do that, uh, sit down and write down their problems like that. Uh, most people just sit down and then start to think, and then our imagination take over the driver's seat. Uh, and then drive around, drive around, go to sing song, go on around, <laughs> and then go, yeah, go to Marina Bay, go a few more loops. Yeah. And that's the problem. Oftentimes you go into loops, you know. The same goes for death. Yeah. When we do not know what's going to happen, then there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear. This morning someone shared with me about how there was this person uh, who set a will for his for his um, estate to be distributed only hundred years later. Hundred years later. Yeah. Uh, so so this this devotee shared with me that he has this friend who told them that oh the great grand uh, Akong, uh, uh, great grandfather has this like land in Yishun and so on, and then you know, uh, going to going to finally the hundred years is coming up, and it's going to you know, wow, everybody's going to get a share, and all the friends is like, <laughs> really, uh, like some story about some grandfather, great grandfather, you know, but it turned out to be true. <laughs> it turned out to be true. Setting a will is a very helpful way to to face, deal with the eventualities of of death. Um, it's not just about splitting the asset, you know, but it's about coming to terms that yeah, one of these days you're going to have to give them away. Yeah. So one of the exercises that I do uh, usually before I go on a trip is that I will do area cleaning. Yeah, of my room, of my place, and then I will uh, go through my things. I will clean up the rubbish bin, and I will try to make sure that if I do not come back alive, uh, whoever is tasked to split my belongings will have an easy time doing it. Yeah. So when I shared this with a student uh, many years ago, he he smiled. He said. Yeah, I heard something similar as well. Uh, my Rinpoche, 
he does this every night. <laughs> I was like, wow. At first I was like, sure not. But later I'm like, wow, that's, that's the right way, you know. Yeah. That's, that's the right approach. Because when we go to sleep every night, we go to sleep with one simple assumption. We're going to wake up tomorrow. Now, touch wood, huh? If any of you don't wake up tomorrow, not quite my fault, okay? <laughs> but, you know, Chinese always say, once you say it, we tune now. So I, now that I say it, then tomorrow you all probably will wake up. Huh? <laughs> now, but, if you think about it, it's true, isn't it? We unconsciously have this mindset that we're going to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. And that's perhaps one of the reasons why many people that I counsel, that I talk to, uh, they are unwilling to make peace with others nor make peace with themselves. Because they, they probably think that, you know, tomorrow still on the quarrel. <laughs> Huh? But if you realize that you may not have tomorrow, why would you hold on to your anger like that? You know, if you realize that tomorrow may not come, yeah. Statistically speaking, uh, not everybody wake up the next day, and the same goes for uh, when we wake up in the morning and then we go to work. We go to work. Now most of us are contented. Contented in what way? Contented that we have uh, a job. Contented that uh, we have a family. Contented that we are able to, we are able-bodied. Yeah. Instead of thinking, oh yeah, why am I giving given so much errands to run? You know, why do I have to go to work? Ah, stupid job. Uh, stupid boss, stupid customer, stupid everything stupid. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one smart, everybody's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Some people have this kind of mindset though. When you have this kind of mindset you will feel very miserable, you know. But what's the chance that everybody is stupid except you? Chance are uh, you are actually the stupid one. <laughs> but what we don't realize is when we leave our house, we may not come back at the end of the day. Again, this is a statistical truth. Yeah. In Singapore, it's fairly low. Yeah. Fairly low in a way. If you talk about accidents, yeah, fairly low. But there are many other things that can happen. And as I've mentioned before uh, in classes, uh, and also last year in this series of class, uh, this is not about living our life morbidly. Some Buddhists, after learning about impermanence, about... Wow, you know, this set of teachings, oh, they become very morbid. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they start to uh, sometimes even uh, rub off this morbidness to others. Yeah. Instead, it should be the exact, in a way, opposite of morbidness. But it's to realize that you cannot take things for granted. Not life, not people, not things. We cannot take anything for granted. To realize that, yeah, whether it's our life, our relations with others, they all dependent are dependent on conditions, 
And so it can change any time. It can change any time. And our active involvement is required if we want to maintain any of them, be it our life, our relations, yeah, or our role in various various parts of uh, whether it's work or family and so on. Yeah. Sorry, Lily, just now you wanted to ask something or share something. Ah. Hmm. I also don't know how I would die. <laughs> I was just thinking, like one or two weeks back, I was like, huh, yeah, how will I die? And I was thinking that I hope I'll, I'll be giving teachings until the, well, until the, the end, you know? Yeah. So better don't take holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Chinese New Year is coming. Mm. So can you can do a do a reflection? Yeah, you can write down. Mm. Uh, you know we have this Chinese custom, right? Before Chinese New Year, you must return everything that you borrowed. Do you all still practice that? Yeah. Nowadays, we, we seldom practice that because nowadays, if you need something, you just go and buy, you know? Right? Last time, uh, we, will, we will go to the neighbor and borrow, borrow, run around, you know? Uh, go upstairs and then ask them, uh, do you, you, got, you got you or not? You know? Or, or something, all kinds of things. Now, it, it's, some people may feel, wow, so paisa, you know. But it, it's actually uh, indicative of how close people were in the past. That you're close enough that it's okay or no. You know, you can just ask your son, go upstairs and then go to salon, auntie, guy, guy, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a very, to me, it's a very heartwarming part of my life. Yeah, that you are so close to your neighbors that, okay or no, you go over, because you, you, you actually know them. Nowadays, you, you just go and ask your neighbor, <laughs> ping tong, yes, what can I do for you? <laughs> oh, I live next door. Are you sure? Give me your IC. <laughs> yes. You still do that? Uh? Well done. I call Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, well done. Yeah. So, uh, for the Chinese custom, we have this, you know, practice of returning things uh, before Chinese New Year. Uh, but that's material things. Yeah. In terms of material things, you can also do an inventory. Yeah. Uh, do an inventory. How much things do you have? Every, every time a few weeks before Chinese New Year, wherever I go to give classes, I'll ask people to do this exercise. Of course, I know that you'll have a lot of things. So you can you can just do a rough mental you know don't 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 start taking everything out of your cupboard and boxes then next week when you come to class you will tell me that sifu you got me into trouble yeah 
now I spend I have to spend the next one month packing everything back. Yeah, just do a mental assessment. And you can lump things together. For example, you can just say blouses, okay? Yeah, tops, pants, skirts. And just do an estimate. You don't have to go and physically count. Just roughly, you know? Yeah. And the point is this. Then you ask yourself, how many items do you really use? Yeah. Yeah. How many of the things we own do we really use? Now, there will be those items that you don't really use on a daily basis, but it's there because, you know, one day you may use it, yeah, or maybe when you buy it, you need to use it that one time, and then, you know, one day you might use it. Sure. Yeah. But there are also a lot of things that we, we just have it, you know? Yeah. So just list that down. And when, it, when you finish, you look at the proportion, yeah? the ratio. How much of the things you own belong to the uh, set where you actively use them? How much belong to the backup? Yeah, belong to the backup. There was once when I was shifting, uh, and I was going through things. For those of you who have resigned from a company and you know you change jobs, yeah, you go through your emails. Yeah, they all do backup of your, of your email and bring it along. You don't, you don't do that or not. You just delete all. Sometimes they always print hard copy. Print hard copy. Print hard copy and file. Wow! And file some more. Emails. Ah. Wow. Wow. Serious. So how many boxes do they need? Every year. Oh. That's one year, year by year. Wow. That's interesting, huh? They don't they don't know that exchange server actually do a backup. <laughs> you can actually export it, save it as a as a archive file, you know? Yeah, export all into archive folder. Yeah. So that it's all still electronic. But your your colleague really print out everything. Well, then you ask your colleague like last year, like third of third of August, you know, three PM, find me the email. <laughs> but what I find find out myself is uh, every time I have to shift or when I move company, then I would you know, try to salvage and, and I always feel like wow, this would be useful, you know. But after a while then when I go through, I will go through my things routinely, and I find that, delete, delete. Too overwhelming, isn't it? It's just too much clutter, you know, too much things. Yeah. So, I I come up with a with an idea. Anything that you have not used for half an hour, ah, uh, not half an hour, <laughs> half a year, half a year, you probably don't need it. If you have not touched something for half a year, you probably don't need it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm starting to do the same for chats. Yeah, you know WhatsApp, right? Wow, seems to be limitless. Uh. So I I started archiving from the bottom, archive, archive, archive. Yeah, and then eventually I will go through the archive and delete them also. Because if a person has not WhatsApp you for half a year, I don't delete the the contact, but the chat probably is irrelevant already. Which then brings me to another point, which is that uh, with WhatsApp, with WeChat and all these chats, right, uh, it has perfect memory of what you have talked about. And I don't know about you all, some people would go through the, the chat and really dissect the chat, you know, and uh, review the chat. Yeah. And I find that while most people don't do that, but we do that for our life, with our memory. We will we will dig out all the archive in our mind. <laughs> yeah. And then well do a review. Uh. Now if you don't do that, that that's that's wonderful. Two thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, but if you know of of people who do that uh, good to share with them, you know, help them to remove that clutter. It's a very horrible baggage. Uh, so that's that's the exercise for the Chinese New Year. So uh, the the few verses uh, that we have gone through in the past, how many lessons, uh, really circles around how uh, a person upon death. Um, uh, not so much just about death but about how should a person be living one's life it's actually more about living than dying and it's about how uh, if we were to realize that upon death it is what we have done before our karma that would determine where we would go that will determine our future. Then we wouldn't, you know, spend our life the way we would. Then we will put in more consideration uh, to the kind of things we do. And there are verses about how at the end of one's life, uh, even though one may be surrounded by one's friends and family, yeah, but when there is the pain of death, one has to face it by oneself. Yeah? Uh, one has to face it by oneself. Ling Song, Mi Liu Chi, Ling Song, Mi Liu Chi, Qing Yu, Sui Wei Rao, and Su Su Zhu Ku Tong. Uh, we you is it? Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Ming Yeah, Ming Yeah. So this was one of the previous verse. Yeah. Ling Zong Mi Liu Ji. Zong Qing Sui Wei Rao. Ming Jue Zhu Ku Tong. We you Yi Ren Shou. 
so as mentioned before, this this word is the classical uh, uh, character for war. Yeah, war. So again, uh, the depiction can sometimes appear quite bleak. Huh? Yeah. We want to think, oh, don't worry, your friends and family will be with you all the way, you know? Yeah. That's a nice Hollywood idea. But, <laughs> yeah, Buddhism is not, does not try to be optimistic. But it's not pessimistic also. It is realistic. Yeah. Because, in truth, that is the way it is. Yes, you'll be surrounded by your kins, your family and friends. But ultimately, uh, we, we face death alone, by ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so, 魔使来之时,亲朋友何意,为福能救护,然我未普修. So, we stopped here last week. Uh, and it's that when death finally comes, uh, what of what use of what good would our friends and family be? Yeah, uh, only our merits, only our virtues and merits uh, can actually save us, can actually protect us. Yeah, uh, but uh, for a person who have not cultivated, run away, pursue. Ah, but I have not practiced uh, widely. Yeah. 放逸我未知,死亡如是不,故未无常生,清造诸多罪。So, fang yi means to be lax. Fang yi, this word, fang yi, it means to be lax. Lax in what way? Uh, lacks in our spiritual practice, lacks in terms of doing wholesome deeds, yeah. Uh, lacks in various various ways, yeah. Uh, being lacks, uh, I do not know, yeah. Do not know what. Siwang ru si bu, yeah. Do not know the uh, the fear within death. Yeah, we are, we we take it easy, huh? uh, of course, now when, now when we talk about it, uh, everybody, oh yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so tomorrow when you go to work, wow, a boss call you, ah, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Come Monday, your boss just call you, what boss? What? Uh, uh, then uh, maybe some of you attend Tuesday, uh, Dharma dis- the, the Dharma study group, then ah, yes, yes. Uh, then Wednesday, Ah, okay, it's okay. Yeah, don't fight with you. Then Thursday, okay. Friday, okay. Then Saturday, Chonga! Party! Gu wei wu chang shen, qing zhao zhu duo zui. So, uh, it is a very interesting description. Yeah, it is almost like treating the body as a third party. But if you think about it, throughout our whole life, be it our own body or others' body, uh, everything that we do in terms of 
material pursuit is for this body. For this body. But here when it says Gu Wei Wu Chang Shen, in a way it's strictly just referring to the body. Uh, but not just physically, but also what this body can experience. Yeah? Which basically encompass all the worldly pursuits that we make. Uh, so, for this body that is impermanent, you all know that this body is impermanent? Yeah. Say yes. Yes, of course we all know, huh? Yeah. Uh, logically speaking, we all know. Yeah. Intellectually, we all understand. Uh, when we sit down, we think about it, yes, it's impermanent. Yeah. Uh, but we spend an inordinate amount of time yeah, nourishing it, supporting it. Uh, yeah, think about it. Every single day. How many meals do you all take? Three. Uh, very clearly, three. <laughs> yeah? Three meals. Yeah? So good, three. Yeah. Some of you, maybe two and a half. Yeah? Skip breakfast. Then you know, yeah. Then some maybe three and a half, yeah. Some two and a half, yeah. But around two to three, yeah. Every day, you know, mm. every day. That's why I think I mentioned before about how when some for some people you ask them to do charity, or ask them to go and do some spiritual practice, they're like, oh no, I just recently just donated, recently just just. You know, did some practice yeah, recently. We need to eat every day, yeah, but in terms so in terms of the body, yeah, we we do it every day. But in terms of our spiritual progress, uh, do we do it every day? We bathe every day. You all bathe every day, right? Huh? Yes. Okay. Uh, we bathe every day, we eat every day, we sleep every day. Yeah. Some of us don't sleep every day. Uh, like Ryan, do you sleep every day? Yes. Yes, you do? Mm-hmm. You sure? At night, never wake up and play? Oh, give him some ideas. <laughs> uh, oh, you mean I can wake up in the middle of night and play? Oh no, what have I done? Yeah. About this... Uh, we don't just eat every day and sleep every day. We do so much things to uh, satisfy, gratify ourselves, uh, gratify our mind, our heart, our heart's wishes yeah, through the, this body. Uh, and in, in the process, sometimes we may personally do various evil, unwholesome deeds. Yeah. Uh, of course, not referring to your, huh? uh, but for for many, you can now they see it on YouTube, yeah? and people can be quite proud of it somehow. Yeah? Uh, they go for wow, because nowadays whenever before we eat, yeah, we'll do an offering, offering to Instagram. Yeah, yeah, the Insta God, huh? Yeah, and the Face God. <laughs> you know, take picture and then post 
as an offering to Facebook. <laughs> Take a picture, then as an offering to Instagram. Yeah. Somehow in Singapore, you seldom hear people talk about Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is more common in US. Yeah. But regardless, you post it up. Yeah. What is Twitter? Uh, see me after this. <laughs> Give you a special class. So, even when people go to eat live seafood, and live seafood in Singapore is nothing, I tell you. I mean, it's bad. To me, it's bad. Yeah. Why do you need to, you know, 活生生的,小明小强 having a good time, then because you point at the fish, then 小明跟他看, then 小强, Ryan, do you have a friend called Xiaoming? No, no uh, luckily. <laughs> yeah. But on YouTube, you can see worse cases. Yeah. Uh, I've mentioned before about you know people eating live octopus. Yeah. Live octopus over the grill. Like, is there really such a need? Is it not not good enough or bad enough that you you are gonna gonna kill something to eat already? You have to burn it alive. And you know octopus? The octopus are said to be very intelligent. Yeah. And the and the suction pads are, are not just suction pads, you know, it's actually sensitive. Yeah. They use it to to interact with the world. So can you imagine you press it down with the suction pad there? Imagine your most sensitive part of your body Yeah. And yet these people eating in this way, not good enough, take take a video of it and then post online to share. To share. Ching Zhao Zhu Duazui. For what purpose? If you eat Xianchai tofu tang, you also stay alive. Yeah? You don't know what is Xianchai tofu tang? You know? Xianchai tofu tang? You only know Xianchai tofu tang. This word, Rojing, Rojing, this is what? Food. Food, Xing Chang, if if now you are being dragged to the to the platform, this sing chang uh, usually refers to the execution platform. Yeah. Now if a person is being dragged to the execution platform, uh, this person who is dragged, zui fan yu jing bu. I read somewhere that uh, majority of those who are on the death row. On the day when they are being served the sentence, wow, no matter how garang they were beforehand, wow, 
you know, crime lord, whatever, on that day, Lao Sai. Really just, you know, not, not, not due to hanging, uh, before it's done, uh, the, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So here the description, in a way, is very concise. Uh, yeah. So if you jingbu. If we think about death, just thinking about it uh, is quite frightening. Huh? Now, if you just imagine, if you are being dragged there, huh? you are now going to the execution platform. You know that that is certain. You know? When you think, still, hmm, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, yeah? maybe 300 years later, <laughs> yeah? no problem. Uh, but if you are the prisoner, if you are the the criminal who is being brought to the execution platform will be filled with oh, this anxiety, sorrow, this this fear, you know. Kogan Yen Tu Chu quite visceral. Huh? No, just talking about it, I also Kogan already. <laughs> Yeah, so the looks is no longer like the past. Yeah. Beforehand, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but once you are being sentenced and brought there, oh, distraught. Yeah, distraught. Herkong Sing Kong Bu, Moshi Suo Zishi. Da Bu Yu Ku Ku Chan this word Chan Ku Ji Bu Dai Yan Bu Shi Bu Dai Yan So He Kuang Sing Kong Bu Mo Shi Suo Zi Shi So This again This Mo Shi appear huh? The Messenger of Death So, uh, do you all think that when you when you're going to die, you will see the Gu Tao Bai Bin? You know the Niu Tou Ma Mian, the the ox head and the horse head. Yeah. Do you all think you will see that? How many of you think that you will see that? You you think you will see that? Huh? Not not whether you want to see, no. But do you think you will see it? What is happening? Uh? When you die, you die all. <laughs> different cultures have different description. Um, if you go to the, look at the Nikayas, uh, there's very few description about death. Very few description. Uh, but there's one or and two about two two suttas where the Buddha is asked about uh, in part the process of dying. So one of the king asked the Buddha uh, to be reborn in this realm and that realm which is faster which is faster 
So the Buddha, huh? Sorry. What? What happened? Sumita Isi. Oh. I thought you, you saw Buddha Bear, you know what? Ah, so, so the Buddha asked him, uh, think of this city. Then he thought about it. Then he said, now think about that city. Then he thought about it. Then the Buddha asked him, when you think about either city, uh, which is faster? Then he said, both are the same. Then he said, in the same way, the rebirth is the same. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the sutta where there's a bit of that description of, okay, when you die, then how long and so on. Another sutta is where the Buddha described how a person who have attained to the third stage of enlightenment, Sakatagami, no, Anagami, sorry, Anagami, uh, third stage enlightened one, a non-returner. Then the Buddha described how uh, before the person is reborn, uh, some translation use the, the term touchdown. Yeah, some like arise there. Now before that happens, the person may attain enlightenment. Some may attain enlightenment upon uh, rebirth. That some may attain enlightenment after that, and so on. Yeah. So uh, these are are two suttas from Nikayas that I've seen uh, that give some of this description. Uh, other descriptions typically refer to the uh, lower realms where the Buddha say if a person has lived his life uh, indulging in sensual pleasure then uh, upon death he will experience uh, much pain much suffering and sometimes then there will be the description it is as though a person is held down by two strong men and then a third man were to like um, hit him with a hammer yeah S- such excruciating pain yeah and so on different description yeah uh, so if we look at the sutta itself the buddha don't really go into the description of what happened when you die but in many of, of the commentaries then there's such description yeah, about how uh, as we pass away after passing away then the different senses would shut down yeah? uh, and it's said that the sense of hearing is one of the last few to come to an end yeah? uh, so some of this is the basis of why in Buddhism there's all the, the huge preoccupation about don't cry, don't cry you know if you cry, you affect the the disease. Yeah. Uh, there's this this uh, this understanding. Yeah. That if you were to have um, any kind of disturbances that they can hear when they when they pass away, if they are not reborn immediately, then it may affect their emotions, if you will. Yeah. Um, but sometimes when I attend to the uh, to some families uh, for the for for the week, um, before I do the 
the, the service, I would sometimes actually tell them this. I would tell them that, uh, yes, there's this, this, this part of the Buddhist teaching, you know, where people will say, oh, you cannot cry, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I will tell them, I'm not there to tell you this. <laughs> yeah. Why? Uh, why is this monk not here to tell you not to cry? And I will tell them. It's because, even for myself, when I just dream about my parents passing away, I would cry. I would cry in a dream. And I would cry until I wake up and there are actually tears in my, in my, from my eyes. You know, I will wake up crying, you know. Yeah. I, I, I experienced that when I was, I was still in, uh, in university in the hostel. One morning I woke up oh, in tears. So I called my mom and asked, like early morning, you know, uh, six past seven, and I asked, are you okay? Then my mom is like, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, because she know that, you know, when I was in uni- when I was much younger, I don't wake up so early on my own, you know. Then she's like, Sin Tai Chi. <laughs> like, what happened, you know? Then I told her what I, what I, I dreamt of. Uh, then my mom, Ayah. Sin Liang Liang. Ayah, so good, Kia. What I see, I'm a mean one. I share this because. Um, if we were to go to go to tell families, especially if we are not the family, it's one thing if it's our own father and we share with our family, you know, let's hold our grief for a while. If you are not even family and you go there and then you just, oh, feng liang ho, you know, how would the family feel? But instead I'll tell them, it is normal if you feel sad and you are grieving. It's normal if you even shed a tear. But I will also share with them about how uh, there are many different ways for us to grieve over our loved ones. Yeah? Instead of just crying, uh, instead, perhaps good to share the, a bit about the departed, the kind of good qualities, the kind of um, uh, virtues of that person. Yeah? In the previous lessons, I've shared a bit about that also. So, yes. So, uh, let's say if we are on the deathbed uh-huh. and we are in uh, a lot of pain, like you're not dead yet, but it's like it's very slow kind of death. Okay. And it's very very painful. Okay. So, what what can we do? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or let's say if a loved one is on the deathbed and they are. It is true. It is true. If a person experiences too much pain, sometimes they cannot uh, focus on the Buddha's name. There was once the Buddha was uh, not well, and he had to. He actually asked Venerable Ananda to recite. Uh, certain verses to him. The Buddha himself, you know? Yeah. And so, 
through Varabhananda reciting the verses, then he abide in those verses. Very interesting, huh? And but for the Buddha, once there's that verses going, he immediately abide and the pain abated and he actually recovered from whatever he was going through. Uh, it is true that there's no miracle cure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it can be helpful for the for the patient if we were to support the patient by doing the chanting together with them. Yeah. Uh, I remember once when I was uh, visiting one patient, the family was there, and I uh, I chanted Om Mani Padme Hum with them. Yeah. You must remember, when you go to visit patients and if you offer to chant, try to find out what they are more accustomed to. You're not there to chant what you like. Understand? Oh. Uh, so I don't go and chant what I like. Yeah, I would ask them whether they have some practices that they have been doing. Uh, then I would chant whatever they, are, they have been chanting. And in the, the case that evening, it was Om Mani Padme Ho. The amazing thing is that at some point, I think the, the wife went out to attend to something. And later they told me that when she went out, she heard the chanting throughout the whole floor. <laughs> Uh, I think someone left the intercom on or something. <laughs> and somehow nobody complained. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was quite amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, as much as family members, others can go there and try to do the chanting, uh, it's best if, if individuals have done some bit of practices beforehand. Yeah. Um, it would be most helpful. Yeah. Now, even if the person had not done any uh, any of these practices before, it's still helpful for us to uh, uh, lead lead the person uh, in the chanting. Yeah. And I would often gauge the condition of the person. If the person is not so well, I'll just tell them it's okay. Just in your mind, follow us. Yeah. Otherwise, some patients. They, want, they are very sincere. Then they... <sighs> yeah. Then they... <laughs> you know, yeah. So I have to be uh, a bit more aware of this. Oh. Tapu yu ku chan. This chan, this word chan, to bind, yeah, to bind. Uh, and in Buddhism, whenever this word chan uh, appears, it's not just to bind. It is that you are bound up and overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Bound up. Yeah. That means get tied up. Yeah. Not tied up in a nice way, you know. Yeah. All like really just stifle you, yeah, overwhelming you. Yeah, this pain is uh, is it cannot be described. Huh? Mm. So this 
set of verse and the previous one, uh, the two are actually linked. The first part is that if a person is being brought to the execution platform, wow, there's so much fear, there's so much anxiety. Yeah. Now, what more to speak of if you know at the point when you are going to die and you you are dying already, and there'll be so much pain and suffering. Yeah, there'll be so much pain and suffering. Yeah. So then, in such a case, then the question is, 谁能救护我, 离此大步位, 真大突步言, 释放寻救护? Can you all imagine? Yeah. Uh, in such a how it would be like, yeah, if you were to, if you were to close your eyes and just imagine, if you were to pass away, yeah, and then uh, there's much pain arising, yeah, the anxiety and fear. If you, if we have not cultivated before to face pain, yeah, and to quell fear. Well, we we will go berserk, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll panic. And that's why, whenever students ask me like, how is meditation applicable, and I'm like, yeah, of course it's applicable, <laughs> yeah, because when you, you don't, and I'm not even talking about oh, when you attain first jhana, then you can apply in this way. When you attain second jhana, you can. Apply apply it in this way. In fact, I feel that uh, the process of attaining first jhana, the process itself has so much to offer us in terms of learning already. Because you'd be surprised, for many of you maybe, you know, you have been meditating for a while. But for many people, if they have not been exposed to the practice, to just sit there even though you know it's a safe place and you're surrounded by you know Buddhists and friends, to just close the eyes for a while, wow, there are some people that I've, I've met before, they just cannot take it. Yeah, the, the, the heart just go crazy, you know. Wow. And they just want to like wow, must open the eyes, check. But if you don't ask them to meditate, they are just Perfectly normal, you know. Like nothing, no problem. Happy to go lucky, you know. But just ask them to sit down, close their eyes. Oh, cannot take it. Now, if you can learn to face yourself, sitting and just not moving. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's exactly like dying. Meditation is like dying, no. But uh, in many ways, it is similar. As we sit quietly, then thoughts arise. You have to face your own thoughts. Initially, we, we, we have this mindset, uh, as we meditate, we want to quell the thoughts. Yes, this is part of the process, but at a later stage, then you want to observe your thoughts. But before you observe, you must learn to put aside your thoughts. Why? Because the tendency is we just plunge into our thoughts. And we go into this 
第八步到啊，哇，真的，真的 ，five， 真的 ，eight， 哇 ，episode one， two， three， go all over the place 啊。啊 ，so at the start we just quell the thoughts with different different、uh, techniques， but at a later stage once you're able to not so quickly interact with the thoughts， then We learn to observe and face the thoughts, and from there, observe the state of the mind. What am I experiencing now? What is the state of my mind now? Is there fear? Is there anger? Is there frustration? Yeah. And from this, then, it slowly, we slowly build up our ability to、uh, experience different emotions without, without fear, without panicking, without. Jumping in and feeling like we must do something, and these are the skills that、uh, will come in handy. You know,、uh, will come in handy. Yeah. When you when you face with uncertainty, whether it's at night when you are going to sleep, or in the dream, or even at the final moments of our life. Just as when we meditate, you have to meditate by yourself. Yeah, your teacher is, is sitting there, and then he gives some instructions. Then you have to sit yourself. Yeah, some people may feel, yeah, Buddhism, ah,、uh, even the practice is so, so cold, you know. Yeah,、uh, never come and sit next to you, and then guide you. Cannot, you know, you have to do it yourself. Yeah, and most go to you and piang xiang ban. But it, it is, it is really about building up our internal resilience. You know, yeah, have that mental strength.、Mm. So if you want to learn to face your fear of death, yeah,、uh, learn to、uh, realize rather realize that the the、uh, the inner resilience we build up during meditation. Can actually help us face our death. Oh, try sitting. Try coming for my meditation class. Ah,、uh, uh, there's a retreat coming up, twenty fourth to twenty sixth of February. Stay in retreat. Then you can face your pain. Yes, ah,、huh? yes, in Singapore, yeah.、Uh, we managed to find a place that actually has、uh, has decent accommodation, so、uh, twin sharing, yeah.、Uh, Overnight. Stay in, yeah.、Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I mean it, it's not for everybody. As in, not everybody would 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 find that ah、uh, they want to do that. Yeah, uh, but just li- just likewise, not everybody would want to attend Dharma class. It's okay, you know. Yeah, we're not on a mission to make sure everybody attend. It's okay. Yeah, everybody have their own time and place. Uh, some people ask, why must there be a stay in option? Yeah, why can't we stay out? Ah,、uh, it's very different. Yeah, because. If you have a stay out retreat, let's say for three days, 
Of course, no, I'm not suggesting that if you go for stay-up retreats, then there's no benefits. There are still benefits. But it is that if you go for a stay-up retreat, let's say three days, five days, or seven days, and then on the first day, you see, 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 see condition yourself, then after that, at the end of the day, you take a bus back, you take a cab back, you drive back, you walk back home. And along the way, unless... Uh, unless you know the 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 bante or the sador or the sifu or whoever rinpoche okay now we do the dedication then good night see you all tomorrow uh, then what happened usually oh, go go home oh, so tired oh, quickly go home uh, who will okay mindfully lifting pushing dropping mindfully you know who will do that then slowly walk home by the time you finish walking home time to come back again <laughs> huh? you know what I mean so it's hard to maintain that mental state, that momentum of quietude. Yeah? And how many of us, you know, when you go back home after a day retreat, when you go home, if you are, if you are single and staying by yourself, okay, good. Yeah? You go back, then it's up to you. It's your own self-discipline. If you have family, you go home, then your husband or your wife, Hey, come back already. Ah. There you. Shh. <laughs> no, no silence. Jialat. Next time, you will not get your leave approved for retreat. Huh? Uh, then, if your kids come to you, Mommy, Mommy, where, where do you go? Hold it. Shh. No silence. Shh. Huh? Uh, so, difficult. Uh, so, it's difficult. Uh, so, it's difficult. Yeah, whereas if you have stayed, then it's really about self-discipline. Yeah? Once you retire to your room, uh, how you maintain that noble silence. Yeah? And if you can uh, do that once, once in a while, yeah? uh, it's, a, it's a good practice. Yeah? It's a good practice. Then you, you develop something that is immaterial. Something that is not uh, about this worldly pursuits outside. Worldly pursuits outside, you can pursue, other people can pursue as well. You can pursue, other people can take it away. You can pursue, but it can be lost. So when, have you thought about it? When you attend Dhamma classes, the the knowledge or the wisdom that you gain, you don't have to worry about where you put it, you know. But you buy a new handphone, you have to worry about where you put the handphone. <laughs> you know? Worldly possessions give us some pleasure, but give us a lot of worry also. You have to maintain it, you have to check, oh yeah, battery dying again. Huh? I have to find a charging port. Look at that girl, have to go around, hey, got, got, do you have USB? <laughs> Sometimes I will do that, hey, they all bring USB cable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you don't, you don't have a handphone, yeah, when you go retreat, all your handphone is being confiscated. Then, for the whole day, for the three days, yeah, you have freedom from the handphone. Yeah? You are a free woman again. You are a free man again. Excuse yeah? when you don't answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I remember yes. retreat, are we like sitting down the whole day? No. 
uh, we'll be sitting, and then we'll be walking, and then we'll be sitting, and then we'll be walking. Uh, there'll be minimum chanting. Yeah, minimum chanting. Yeah, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, sitting, walking. Is it very strict? Like, you cannot eat dinner? Uh, yeah, it, uh, well, <coughs> there'll be eight precepts administered. Uh, for those who are totally new, uh, you can opt for seven precepts, uh, but there will be, we will not be giving you a full dinner. Yeah? We will be giving you some biscuits and maybe some soup. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. But imagine uh, this is what I always tell people. Uh, imagine, maybe you are that one one dinner away from enlightenment. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What What if all you have to do is skip that one dinner, and then you have a breakthrough? You know? Then, oh yeah, you go and then you're going to have dinner then. Wow, <laughs> piang huh? Then you miss out arahanhood. Wow, jalan. Then many many lives later, one of them uh, attain arahan uh, Buddhahood. Then he, then he or she will, uh, by then will be always be he. Uh. Uh, but that's another story altogether. Don't ask me now why it must be he. Uh, I have a very good explanation, but not not today. Then one of y'all will declare, ah. You see this this monk here or this nun here? Many lives ago, we were cultivators under Venerable Chongguan. <laughs> yeah, but because uh, he, she cannot take it, want to have dinner every time they have to have stuck stuck in samsara for many lives. <laughs> By right, should be Buddha before me, but because of dinner. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not promising you that if you skip dinner, you will immediately attain arahanhood, okay? Uh, no such promises given. But if you think about it, it's about challenging yourself. Your whole year, 365 days, you can have dinner anytime, you know? Yeah? Just for that three days. Yeah? Or if you go for the two-day options, just for two, two nights. Yeah? Don't... Will you... Will something really bad happen? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot in the mind. Yeah. And if you can overcome uh, this fear, it's actually fear due to attachment to the body, you know, attachment to the way we feel, physically, mentally, you know, attachment. Yeah. We say, oh, what is my attachment? Yeah, this is the attachment. Yeah, we are afraid. But if you can... If you can overcome it at this level, then when when we are approaching death, we have a higher chance of being able to face it without fear. If you cannot even overcome one dinner, well, di- death will confirm. <laughs> right now. Huh? Uh, so try, okay? So this description, So really 
uh, the description is really, really like aimlessly just going around looking for help. Uh. Uh, you can see this in the animal realm. Yeah? Sometimes you go, you, I don't know how you all feel towards ants or flies, yeah? uh, but sometimes you, you find them trapped in the toilet bowl or you, you find them uh, in the sink or something. Do you all go and save them or you all? <laughs> 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 you see a fly, you want to go and do a toilet, you see a fly, ayah. Flush it first. <laughs> huh? Which one do you all do? Don't, 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 don't tell me. Uh, don't tell me. Later you go and tell Buddha yourself. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but sometimes I find it very strange, you know. Like, out of the blue, suddenly I will feel like, hey, maybe I should go to the toilet. Then I go there, tuntun, now one fly swimming inside. Uh. Because, like, it doesn't take long for them to sink, uh, for, to turn them to drown, right? So, it must be quite soon now. <laughs> so, then, uh, yeah. So I quickly reach down and rescue it. Then sometimes I pee halfway there and see it. Oh. Then, okay, I will quickly go and see the skin. Oh, so my hands have went through a lot of, a lot of hardship. <laughs> yeah. But if you if you really go and, I'm not asking you to put your head, put a whole head in your toilet bowl, okay? But if you really look at the fly. There was once it was a wasp actually, yeah. If you really look at the insect that's swimming around, uh, they are not swimming; they are struggling. You know, they are struggling. And when you see that, uh, this is the description. You know, yeah. Just wow. So the moment you put your hand down and you touch it, right, you feel the 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 insect wow grasping on to dear life. You know. Wow. And then when you remove it, what wow, you hold on to it like wow. Well wow, now there's one giant to save me. <laughs> How about cockroaches? Uh, cockroaches is quite different. Cockroaches shh <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Cockroaches are quite are quite steady one. They don't need us to save. They can swim, they can fly, they uh, Cockroaches are really quite quite sturdy. Yeah. They have been around since before dinosaurs. They will still be around uh, long after we die. <laughs> yes. But but so, sorry, uh, but I'm not suggesting that we should leave cockroaches alone and let them die themselves. Uh. No, okay? Yeah, we should have compassion for them also. Yes, cockroaches, yes. Huh? Oh, you mean you go and microwave a cockroach? I did microwave it, but it came out after I microwave it, it came out from microwave. Wow. That's amazing, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, but it's possible. Because, yeah, they say that after a nuclear fallout, right, the only thing that's, that they can see survive is cockroaches. Yeah, because cockroaches, they, they evolve from, like, right at the start, you know? Yeah, you want to see the prehistoric creatures? Yeah, cockroaches is one of the the descendants. Yeah, so they can uh, undergo radioactivity. You know, all kinds. Stadium. Can uh? Did it turn green? Oh, no. Ah, it's okay. Yeah. 
But do you rescue insects from toilet bowl? Yes. You all do? Ah, good. Sadu, sadu, sadu. Huh? No insect. <laughs> you check first. You don't check, right? You just sit down. And <laughs> no, no, trust me. You watch my words. You Before you use it, the next time you check. But they always jump in the water I offer to the ruler. Oh, then you put a cap, no? You... Oh, it's okay to put a cap. Okay. Okay to put a cap. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you don't have to go to far away land to, to save life. Huh? Just go to the toilet. Check. Okay, nobody. Okay. Yeah. But it, I mean, jokes aside, quite uh, the description of the lower realms. Yeah. Uh, quite beautiful, lah. Si fang, uh, pian xun, xun, huh? Mi. Wu yi xing ao sang. This ao sang got something here. Pi chu ku wu yi. Huang huang he suo chong. Uh, so the this is again linked to the previous verse. Yeah, the previous verse, you search for some kind of uh, uh, safety, some kind of protection in the four directions. But here, Si Fang, it means all directions. Uh. Don't think just try north, south, east, west. Then there's police in the diagonal. Sorry, you are not in the north, south, east, west. All four directions. Yeah. Sifang Pian Xin Mi looking for help all over. Wu Yi Sing Ao Sang. So Ao Nao Bei Sang. So the when you search all over, but you cannot find any refuge. Yeah. You cannot find any refuge. Then what happened? You not finding any refuge, the heart uh, become agitated, become sad, uh. yeah. sorrowful, sorrowful. Pi chu ku wu yi, this is what? Huang huang, huang huang, huang huang huang. So, become bewildered. Huang huang he suo chong. Where to go? <laughs> so the my late ordination teacher in one of the class he he mentioned about uh the rebirth process yeah uh, in particular for the lower realms yeah and it said, he said that in some of the description it says uh why would anyone choose to go to the low realms. If you have a choice, like if when you die, then you see three person. One person come and tell you, I'm here to bring you to hell if you want. Another one tell you, I'm here to bring you to heaven if you want. Another one tell you, I'm here to bring you to Singapore if you want. <laughs> okay, do you want to Singapore? <laughs> 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 Oh, uh, no, no. Singapore is actually quite good. 
Yeah? Got a, a chance to attend Dharma class taught by Sifu. <laughs> if you have a choice that you can make, you fill up a form, of course you will not fill up like hell. Mm, tough choice. Heaven, hell or Singapore? Mm, tough choice. Wow, one third chance. Yeah, of course you will not choose hell, right? But the, my Sifu said that in some of the texts, the description is when you are, for example, those who have very deep desire and because of the deep sensual desire uh, committed, you know, not so good things, then rebirth in the, in the hellish realm where uh, you will suffer a lot of pain. So some of you may have uh, read the description of Tao uh, San yeah? uh, or uh, yeah, so the, the forest or the mountain mountain of blades and then the, the forest where the trees are it's not green one you know the trees the leaves are all blades yeah so then you may wonder why would anyone want to go there yeah if you go, go you know in Singapore, you go somewhere, then you see some people there fighting, you don't go there, like, no, no, I want to go. Or <laughs> some sell one, huh? uh, But in this case, <laughs> those who are being reborn in those realms, the description is this. The person who is going to be reborn in the, in the forest of, of knives, they see the object of their desire at the other side of the forest. Driven by the desire they go through the forest. Shredded. And then, reaching the other end, the object of their desire disappear. And then they die. And then, uh, they appear again. Yeah, they suffer the whole process. Just walk through, die. And all the pain. And then, after that, it's like computer games, you know. Ding, appear again. And then they see again object of their desire at the other end. Then they walk through it again. A description. Then, uh, I think Tizang Pusa Panyu is seeing a lot of description of the different hell. Uh. Then there's one where the person would hug the pillar that is burning hot. Yeah. Why would anyone go and do that? Uh, then it says, uh, the person who desire, do not see the burning pillar, but see the burning pillar as the object of his desire. Appear as the object of his desire. Oh, oh, burn up. Yeah. So be careful of our desire. <laughs> mm. What kind of desires would that be? Sensual desire. That, that is so strong. Uh, well, some people have stress. Uh, can be addiction. Can be uh, lust. Yeah. The Buddha described that. So when we say sensual pleasure or sensual desire, is the pleasure that arises due to eye, ears, nose, tongue, body, the five senses. Now, so all things material can give rise to any combination of these five. 
And in terms of pleasure in this world, yeah, sensual pleasure, then the Buddha described uh, the sexual pleasure is foremost. And so it has a very strong draw. So when you when you just look at this statement, it seems like, well, what, what, why, why, why is Buddhism so anti, you know, fun, you know? <laughs> but this is part of the whole framework of the whole teaching. Then when you look at the Buddhist practices of meditation, you have to free yourself from sensual pleasure if you want to attain first jhana. Then it makes a lot of sense why that is the case. Because as long as you are preoccupied Let's not talk about addiction first. Huh? If you are preoccupied, the mind is drawn towards sensual pleasure, towards the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body. Yeah, what the eye can see, ears can hear, nose can smell, tongue can taste, body can touch. As long as you are preoccupied with that, then the mind is unsettled. Why would anyone be like that? Well. I've talked to many people uh, in all these years. Uh, the it may appear as something quite odd for for many of us to think, why would anyone uh, be so preoccupied? But oftentimes it is because the person do not get satisfaction in other areas. Men, not enough mental satisfaction. That means, um, let's say, emotional joy. Yeah. So you don't get, you don't derive satisfaction uh, emotionally or intellectually or in other areas. Then we become quite base, you know. Just depend on the senses. Just depend on the senses. For many people. It may not be about uh, last. It may be food. Yeah, uh, food. Food is a source of happiness, isn't it? Uh, uh, is it uh, something for? It's so good that it's worth some, something to die something for. Something to die for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, when we look at it in the larger scheme of things, then you, we we start to realize why the Buddhist practices is in a certain way. Yeah. It's not to make people's life difficult, you know. Yeah. But it's just the way it is. When we um, experience the senses, the pleasure from the senses, tendency is it's hard for for someone who is not enlightened to enjoy those senses uh, repeatedly without becoming attached to it. Uh, not easy. Mm. Unless you do some practices then you you experience it in a measured way. Huh? Uh, guard the sense thoughts. The Buddha always say, guard the sense thoughts. So who gunman guard the sense thoughts? Not not close the door. Huh? <laughs> uh, it's different between closing the door versus guarding the, the doors. Yeah. It means that like this is to me even more important and practical for lay people. Because you all cannot just go and hide in a cave. Or, <laughs> yeah, some lay, lay people nowadays like to do that. Yeah? 
lay people don't do lay people's thing, go and do monastic thing, go and hide in a cave. <laughs> yeah? But for most lay people, you can't. You need to work, you need to interact with your friends and family, you have duties, you need to you know, do, you know, talk to your kids. But as you do all the interaction, you be mindful and watchful over what goes into your mind through the eye, ears, nose, tongue and the body. Yeah? Be watchful, be mindful. And if you find that ah, each time when this, this category of things enter my mind, ah, I currently cannot deal with it. Then you may want to be careful not to let so much of this category come in at the moment. Yeah? Then, meanwhile, uh, learn to deal with it. Yeah. So that towards, as we progress, then even when you are in contact, uh, there's no problem. Okay. So we stop here at verse 46. Next week when we come back, we'll be at verse 47. Put our palms together. Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Nao. Yuan Xiao Amen.